0: Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Covington playing Levine, topside, three ball, bam,
1: onions, baby onions, Zach Levine in the Bulls. Your
0: number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories.
1: Bean to White, this time he gives it to Williams for three, the rookie what a shot! Host
0: Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Jordan Malley. Jordan, great to see you. Through our 670 Wait, score scope, yep. Where is he? And it's right over there, Bill. Are you flat out kidding me? Matt Peck used to do a great job with the Bulls Outsider Show. Now he's doing Locked on Bulls. There he is, human floor burn. Oh, don't mess with the pooch. But watch this crossover. spur to free league ghost. <laughs> <It's still laughs> oh my goodness. goodness. So kick back. I'm not. Relax. I'm and get ready for the best hour of your day. Uh, you know, not, you can just see
1: the vibe. and these guys are
0: mad. Locked on Bulls starts now. I love it. Past to Levine with a right-handed jackhammer slam. Oh my goodness, that was filthy. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck.
2: I'm getting out the dancing shoes. What's up and welcome into Locked on Bulls, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley. Along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley at Bulls underscore Peck. And at locked on bulls, hit us up on our text and voicemail line 331 979 1369. Drop your text, your voicemails, anything you got for us at 331 979 1369. Today is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. We've got our player of the week, and that is who we are starting with, Matt, because Zach Levine has returned and he has spoken. Before we get into that, how are you and how you doing, man? What up, Jordan?
1: What up, Bulls Nation? Um, yeah, I. Uh, I'm happy for Zach. Uh, and, you know, if nothing else, it was it was honestly great to hear from him again because we didn't hear him speak to the media for a uh, solid two weeks plus while he was out in health and safety protocols. And, you know, he is the face of this team, the face of this franchise right now. So it was nice to hear from him and nice to hear that he's doing okay. Um, but when I got word earlier this morning that the plan is for him to play tomorrow night in Charlotte, I – I'm I'm not thrilled with it. I'll tell you that.
2: (laughs) It's so they don't look like they're they're secretly tanking here, man. They gotta make it not so obvious. And I don't know, man. Like if Vooch is going to play or not, I don't know if that hinders it as well. But. They can scrape together anything and figure out whatever they can salvage of this between those pairings. But yeah, it's It's unfortunate. And Zach was asked about that, man, among a couple of other things. And I know I want to get your reaction and we can kind of discuss it in the second segment too. And stick around in the third segment. We're going to talk a little bit about Patrick Williams, uh, some national NBA people, decided to redraft the 2020 draft, and so we'll find out where Patrick Williams ended up landing, but I figure let's just kick it off. Let's hear from Zach. We pulled the best three or four minutes uh, from Zach Levine's shoot around and him just kind of talking what happens and how he feels after not playing for damn near four months. Uh, let's take a listen.
3: Were you surprised to land in the, in the protocol? No, not after, you know, I came back with a positive test, you know, it's, you know, they obviously you have to go through certain things, and then uh you know once once you go through the protocol there, there's some extra stuff you have to do coming back so just uh just did everything i could to clear it and, uh you know here i am how did you feel physically during that time Felt fine i was pretty uh i wouldn't say asymptomatic but my symptoms weren't you know anything i might have had a headache one night but besides that i was uh, i was fine just out of curiosity you had a tweet at one point that you deleted where you were just kind of obviously expressing some frustration over the protocols what was the thinking behind that or what was kind of what was your mindset like when, when you did that i was just frustrated man you know because the range is very you know or it was very for, for some of the players and you know for me it just felt like it was taking a really long time i've been out almost four weeks um you know and some guys came back after you know 10 days or 12 days so um you know i don't want to put the you know put all the blame on the league you know because obviously i have to go through certain things so you know, I just—I was just more frustrated that I wasn't able to go out there and compete and help the team win. You know, we were sitting at, you know, anywhere from eighth to, you know, eighth to tenth the whole season, and, you know, to see us slip in the standings has been, you know, it's been tough, so you know, hopefully I can come back and try to help. Thank you. Cheryl, go ahead. Because there were no other teammates involved with it, was it contact tracing from the outside? Were you able to figure out at least how you got put into the quarantine or how you got put into the protocol? No, I don't know where. I don't know where I got it from, Then uh, you know, obviously. I think I'm one of the more careful guys, and and I did everything the right way. But uh, and obviously I got a, you know, I got put into it, so it's just, uh, you know, it's scary. And uh, you know, I'm thankful that nobody else got it, and nobody else obviously had contact tracing from it as well. So um, I think that was a good thing. And the other thing, you know, obviously uh, Billy said he was talking to you throughout this thing, and there was a lot of frustration on your end, a obviously because you couldn't be out there and play. Um, How tough was that? Did did you feel like you were watching something that you wanted and other guys wanted kind of slip away? I mean, mathematically, it's still there, but like you pointed out, it's going to be tough with the amount of games left and just where you are with Washington and what would have to happen in the next 10 days. Yeah, obviously, because when you're sitting there, you can't do anything about it. You know, in my position, all I can do is watch. I can't be around the team. You know, the best you could do is communicate through, you know, phone calls and texts and, you know, earlier in the season, you know, it's, it's easier for me to fight through ankle injury. You know, I had a grade two ankle sprain. I could play through that. But, you know, this is something I couldn't fight and try to play through. So that's what kind of hurt me the most. And just seeing where I could go out there and help it. You know, we're all honesty. You know, we were, we weren't, we weren't, you know, obviously in great playoff contention when I was, when I was playing either. You know, we, we still need to work on things, but I think, you know, I think I could have helped win some games. You kind of mentioned obviously like you guys are not officially eliminated yet, but um, was there
0: ever any discussion about
3: because of the man, because of the short amount of games as far as you know, shutting you down for the rest of the season or was that something that was not on the table for you? I mean, I'm not that type of guy. If that conversation comes up, you know, obviously it won't be coming from me. I ain't played in the last, obviously, 11 games and I want at least be able to try to get some type of games and try to fight for something at the end of the season. So. Um, You know, if that conversation comes up, it it, it may it may not. But, you know, for me, you know, I want to go out there and play. (laughs) Jack, how would you characterize, like you said, you were 8, nine, ten all season, and then when you come back, now you're 12. It's it just, it, it's tough, man. You got to give credit to, you know, some of the, you know, the, the other teams, they went on some runs. Obviously, I, I think Washington's was like 9-1, and and, you know, the Pays have been playing above 500 or around it, so, and it's not to say we haven't been playing in but we've been, you know, down some guys, you know, especially at a time where we weren't taking care of business early on in the season, getting the wins that we were supposed to. This is the predicament that we put ourselves in, so, um, you know, there's nobody really but to blame but us, so we got to go out there and, you know, obviously, finish. The season strong, um, so unfortunate. But you know, I'm not somebody to close the door on something that's not you know officially over. I'm, I'm gonna try to fight for everything I have.
2: So a lot of interesting stuff there, Matt. Over the course of four, three or four minutes, the one thing that I want to say before we kind of dive into where he got, where he may have thought he got it from, his frustration over that tweet. The thing that he hits it on the head, like talking about wasted opportunity. We talked about it just this week. They wasted so many opportunities with games that they should have won early on in the season. And I'm glad he recognizes it and says, Well, I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna blame the season on me being out four weeks now. We could have picked up a bunch of games early on in the season and not put ourselves in this position. So I do do give him a ton of credit for being sort of honest and I don't know, humbled by that.
1: Yeah, I think uh you know, anybody would be frustrated in Zach's position and that was you know as we probably expected the the reasoning he gave when when he was asked about that tweet that he you know shortly thereafter deleted expressing his frustration about not being able to play because he was literally sitting on the sideline watching his team fall out of the playoff picture and all he wanted to do was be able to go in there and help there are certain things that are out of your control Like who could have predicted this crazy run that the wizards have went on um, with, you know, some classic Russell Westbrook performances and Hey, also getting some pretty big nights from Daniel Gafford on the regular, which is cool to see happy for gaff. But I mean, that is why you, you can't let those winnable games go earlier in the season because of the unpredictability of what other teams in the race with you are going to do. There are things that are in your control and out of your control and there were so many things out of Zach's control as the Bulls were slipping out of the playoffs that must have made it just so frustrating for him to watch because he said, you know, we were kind of in that 8-10 to 10 range all season long and we all know how badly he wanted to make the playoffs this year and to see the Bulls basically watch those playoff chances die while he's out and not allowed to play,
2: yeah, must must have been driving him crazy. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I I think so. We didn't get all the answers. We didn't even get close to anything like substantial about where he 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 believes he may have gotten this, and it sucks, man. It sucks for right. his season. But he's got a better outlook on it than I I anticipated him having on this. And I don't know. Maybe his tone changes when they're quote unquote officially eliminated. So. Um, there's a couple of other things in that back and forth with the media that I wanted to dive into and get your thoughts on. Um, but speaking of our player of the week, Zach Levine, it's
1: gotta be Zach, right? Um, I mean, because he is this team's best player and we have seen what they have struggled to do without his services over the past week. Um, I I saw this tweet from Jeff Mangerton, who is just great with bull stats Uh, and it was actually retweeted by our pal Chuck Swirsky before their game on Monday night. So in the 10 games without Zach leading into a Monday night's game, the Bulls were down from uh, 112.2 points per game to 103.6 without Zach. Their team's three-point percentage dropped from 37 to 34.5. The team's free throw attempts per game dropped from 18.3 to 14.6 without Zach. And in these 11 games that Zach has missed, the Bulls are four and seven and have watched their playoff chances all but completely die. So you see what kind of impact Zach has on this team. And that's why he is our Michelob ultra player of the week. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? I think Zach is neither right now, but I'm sure he would love for the Bulls to get a win In Charlotte tomorrow night, that would make him happy. In the meantime, though, all of our Locked On Bulls listeners should go get themselves a case of Michelob Ultra. Only worth it if you enjoy it. Just two point six carbs and only ninety five calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game; it's the whole game. So, welcome back Zach, who will be on the floor tomorrow night. Our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week, also Jordan. Interesting to note that Billy Donovan said he doesn't anticipate Zach being on any kind of minutes restriction in that game, because we we also got confirmation as to sort of like Zach was cleared out of the health and safety protocols, and then the Bulls decided to you know give him a couple extra games to get his conditioning back. That's kind of the excuse they used. Maybe they were also doing it thinking. There's no point in in risking Zach for more games than we need to, and if we can actually help our lottery odds in the meantime, that's uh, that's not a bad thing. But it sounds like he he will be a
2: full go tomorrow against the Hornets. I mean, too little, too late. Sorry. Like, yes. At this point, man, too little, too late. I, I it's. Had they picked up a win this weekend, at least one of them, whether it had been Friday or Saturday or Monday even, I would have said, okay, I'm a little bit more excited. I'm cool with that, you know. Now, now I'm just going to be anxious and scared for the rest of the season as, as long as Zach continues to play, wondering the inevitable because bad things have happened to this team, and I'm knocking on wood right now. I don't want something bad to happen to Zach in a meaningless end of this season because let's be honest reality hits the Wizards are making the playoffs we are not the Wizards are on an absolute tear I don't see it for the Bulls and you know what there's a lot of context we've talked about over the last couple of weeks with the scheduling and all of that the Wizards have had a couple of easy breaks over the last three or four weeks it lined up with bad timing with Zach going into COVID protocol and unfortunately for the Bulls too. think about Think about the stretch that the Wizards had to go on, too. I give them a ton of credit because of all the games that they had to make up prior to missing what? They didn't play a game in 17 days, I think, in January or something like that. Um, So credit to them. It just was all bad timing. But too little too late, you know? It it sucks to say that.
1: And I just, I, it's as frustrated as Zach must have been watching his team flounder in his absence, down the stretch and and fall out of the playoff picture. I am now equally frustrated. Probably not equally. Let's, let's be fair. He's, he's an NBA player and I'm just a casual, not casual, but I'm, you know, I'm a fan. I'm an observer, but I am very frustrated right now in thinking about Zach going back out there and Vooch going back out there. We also heard that in this morning shoot around, Billy Donovan said Vooch full participant looked fine. So we're probably also going to see Vooch back out on the court. Our two all-stars and what, what are you gaining versus what are you risking at this point? You're four games out with seven to play. And if, if, if the Bulls have no valid reason to sit Zach and or Vooch, then maybe they're afraid to get slapped with a fine by the league because the league might say, hey, why aren't these guys playing? If Zach's been cleared and you even gave him a couple extra days off to get his conditioning back, and Vooch is off your injury report. Why aren't they playing? But at this point, risk versus reward. Like I saw our our, uh, our pal, the queen of bulls, Twitter, Ramina, earlier today posted that clip from the last dance doc of MJ and Reinsdorf talking about him coming back after the, the broken foot in the 85 86 season. And I brought that up on a recent episode talking about. MJ and Zach and these players desire to play, and they don't give a crap about lottery and ping pong balls and all that. And MJ, a young MJ referred to it as a losing mentality when he was frustrated about being sat on the bench or only being allowed to play seven minutes a half because the organization was thinking, protect our investment. What's the best thing for us going forward? AK and Eversley are in the same boat with Zach Levine and Vooch right now. What do we need to be doing to protect our long-term investment in these players? And what are we gaining versus what are we risking and what is in our best interest moving forward? Their best interest moving forward is to lose these last seven games and secure at the very least that seventh spot in the draft lottery standings by not winning another single game and giving themselves above a 30% chance to jump into the top four and keep that 2021 pick. But I mean, what, what can they do? They're stuck between a rock and a hard place because the league might say, uh, why aren't these guys playing?
2: Yeah, well, if the league came down on, of all teams, the Bulls on, on doing this, I would say, okay, There has been a dozen or so instances over the course of this season alone where all of a sudden, two minutes before the game, oh, Kevin Durant suddenly scratched from this game. Oh, four or five guys not going to play tonight. Like, they, they lead it up all the way to basically tip, and then all of a sudden, somebody's a super late scratch. It's happened with... Teams that are top four in the league across both conferences. So if the NBA pointed to the Bulls and were like, hey, uh, why isn't Vooch playing? Why isn't Levine playing? Then we'd have a serious problem as a fan base, right? I would be, I would be livid. I'm like, there's teams out there left and right making, letting guys sit for load management. And now you want to come down and hammer the Bulls because they want to preserve their two stars for maybe next season and avoid something catastrophe. something a big catastrophe happening. Like, right. Those are the types of things that frustrate me
1: for all of the times the we've heard the league threaten teams with don't rest your, your star players. If they're not actually hurt, they better be out there, especially for these nationally televised games. Yeah. There's another point too, you know, like I, but you know, so if it's early, just a few moments ago, we got confirmation. LeBron sitting out again tonight with a bad ankle Um, And, you know, that's not a made up injury. He did miss considerable time this season with a badly sprained ankle. Is it still sprained or are they just resting him because he's LeBron and a healthy LeBron in the playoffs two weeks from now is a hell of a lot more important than the Lakers, even in the Lakers situation where they're trying to prevent, you know, falling into the play in scenario in the Western Conference. As long as they get that play in and LeBron and AD are both playing in that play in game, they're probably going to win that play in game. So for for the Bulls, as you said, to be the team that the NBA hones in on and actually, you know follows through on the bluff of penalizing teams for resting key players with you know made up or fabricated or exaggerated injuries, maybe the Bulls and and you know and Jerry are afraid of getting fined, but do you see those fines actually being doled out? I at the, the the number of actual instances where that's happened so far in the last couple of seasons where the league has really started to try to deal with that minimal I've I've heard of like two in what the last two or three seasons of the league actually finding teams for not playing their players
2: Well, the Bulls, I can't remember it specifically, was it? And I know it was about cutting Robin Lopez as opposed to just keeping him on the roster. But wasn't there a point where the Bulls were trying to sit guys like Rolo at, like, end of February, early March? And did the NBA come down on the Bulls for that? What I recall is that
1: the league gave them a warning of, hey, why is Rolo not playing? And then the Bulls put him back in the rotation. To my knowledge, to our knowledge, we haven't heard any reports from anybody nationally or on the Bulls beat saying that the Bulls have received said warning, similar warning about Zach and Vooch not playing. So like I said, why not? Why not at least try until you get that warning that that pre slap on the wrist before you actually make these guys go out there
2: and play? Like I said, man. The it's not going to happen. What I actually, you know, I don't know what I hope for more, more to happen. The Bulls lose tomorrow night, and it's like over, over. It's officially over. And then Zach and Vooch both say, "Oh yeah, you know what? I came down with a stomach bug. I need to sit out in front of ESPN's nationally televised game." I would. I've already decided. I, I would rather have that happen. Score yeah. to the NBA and tell them, you know what? We're not going to play you wanted extra protocol days for me to sit out i was out almost 4 weeks now you know what you're not going to get either of us a nationally televised game against the celtics so that that has 100% of an implication to this of why they're they're still going to play um it's just frustrating and the man. other
1: the other element to that is this season in particular like in a in a normal season 82 games from october to you know the finals ending in june teams were already resting key players, especially older key players in trivial games to try to keep them fresh for the playoff run. This phrase load management that we have started talking about over the last several seasons in the NBA has become such a hot-button issue. This season, because the league and the teams who were all concerned about lost revenue from, from the, you know, the back half of the 1920 covid season all of the, the tv money lost all of the money that the teams lost with no fans coming through the turnstiles on a nightly basis the the playoff games we because of that saw the nba players association basically forced to go do you know agree to play this season the way that it had to be organized with this crazy crunch together schedule. You're playing all these games. You're playing all these back to backs, four games and five nights. You know, the, we've seen stretches this season where the Bulls play like, you know, seven games and 10 nights. Like, it's ridiculous. You're seeing all these star players go down with serious injuries this season. Jamal Murray, the most recent example, tragic, but he's just the latest of several. If I were an NBA player this season, like, yes, they agreed to it, but they really didn't have a choice. So if I want to rest down the stretch of these regular season games, if my team has nothing to play for that, I mean, come on. Like w- w- if not that, what do the players get for putting through this, you know, like putting up with and gritting through this bullshit of a season?
2: Yeah, it was more me thinking about, not thinking, Zach thinking about his health, it was more thinking about Zach saying, fuck you to the NBA and saying, this is what you guys get for holding me out for four weeks, and, and putting me on an extended protocol as opposed to some other players who had 10 days. Uh, you, yeah, oh, conveniently too, isn't Friday the first night where the United Center is going to have fans back in the stadium too? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly unbelievable man just as we're piecing this together I'm getting more and more pissed off about this it's unbelievable watch Vooch and Zach will play Thursday and Friday the Bulls will get eliminated and Zach and Vooch will not play the rest of the season watch that is going to happen I, unbelievable man uh I, I want to get to the Patrick Williams thing but this the Zach thing now has irritated the hell out of me and I don't know why but it has um he and Vooch better not play more than a combined 20 minutes tomorrow night. I swear to god. Dude, it's just annoying. It's like they can't they don't understand that we can't, we can see exactly we can see what's happening here. We can see exactly what's happening here. And maybe it'll be maybe they won't, but maybe Zach wants to take the high road and still go out there and at least play for the people that are going to pay and go to the United Center. Don't fault the fans. I've always said that during the rebuild too. Don't fault the fans who are showing up to these games and paying to see you play um, because you're salty at the NBA. But... Uh, I do want to ask you this question And maybe it's it's something that We won't know until the end of the season But Zach wasn't asked how this impacts His overall long term future And maybe he would just brush it off at this point But that's something that's got to be asked Like immediately after the season's over Is how did this Extended hold off this season of like weird transition and change in your best statistical season, how does this impact the long term now? Even though you didn't make the playoffs and that was part of your guys' goal this year. That's something that mm-hmm. I still want to address. Um first, bet online. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball's in full swing right now. The NBA is winding down and the playoffs are one of my favorite times to bet. The NBA playoffs are A whole hell of a lot of fun. I won a ton of money in the bubble last year and continue to do that uh, with some of these playing in games coming up as we wrap up the season. Get all the latest news and odds and info on all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as a team's prep for their playoff runs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code LOCKED on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts.
1: Today's episode of Locked Up Bulls is also brought to you by our great friends at Built Bar. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, you're missing out. The standards like coconut, coconut, almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, my personal favorite, double chocolate, and salted caramel. There's something for everyone. If you haven't tried all of their flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two Of each of the nine flavors. Plus, there are a rotating panel of limited time flavors, like that great coconut brownie chunk that you and I were both obsessed with, Jordan. Not only are built bar flavors the best tasting, they're healthy too. Most of these built bars have 17 grams of protein and only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and four grams of net carbs. And fellas, Mother's Day is right around the corner. It's this coming Sunday. Don't want to get, don't know what to get mom for. Mother's Day. Most moms I know, including mine, love Bilt Bar. I've had my mom try some of these. She loves them. I'll probably send my mom some Bilt Bars in addition to the Mother's Day card I'm sending her. Send her a box of Bilt Bars and you'll be sure to be her favorite child, at least for a while. Until you get her that next box of Bilt Bars. Right now, our Locked Out Bulls listeners can go to billbar.com and use promo code LOCK 15 to get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at
2: billbar.com. I didn't think I was going to be that angry after hearing Zach, but now that I'm piecing all this together, it just pisses me off, man. All that work this season, all the positivity, and we had to go around and fuck around the first three weeks of the season and lose games we shouldn't have. Uh, I digress. Let's listen and talk about something positive as we wrap up the episode. That's about Patrick Williams. Uh, So Mike Schmitz, man, we've talked about him a couple different times. Uh, most recently at the trade deadline because I, I feel like they he has a inside source with this Bulls team. So we've been getting news more and more from him in this first season of different coaching staff, different front office. That being said, they, him and Brian Winhorst and Kevin Artovitz went back and redrafted the 2020 draft. Um, I'll tell you right now, Patrick Williams did not land in any of their three's top three. The top three were LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, and Tyrese Halliburton, which is interesting on At its own, when we whittled down all the prospects, man, that was one of the handful of guys that we talked about the Bulls selecting. Uh, Mm -hmm. But let's take a listen to see where Patrick Williams ended up. We, you know, he was rising on draft boards at the time. This was still a surprise. The Bulls had done a very good job of keeping information from getting out. Nobody was really sure what they were going to do, if I remember correctly. And uh, people thought that Halliburton might actually go here at number four. So in this redraft, where are you at?
4: Yeah, I'm going to stick with Patrick Williams, to be honest. And, you know, this is probably the the part of the draft where Kevin and I, you know, start to disagree a little bit just because, you know, I generally lead, lean more on kind of my pre-draft evaluations, and and so much of that is just because the nature of my job, right? I'm watching these kids since they're 15, 16, 17, and that's kind of the bulk of my data. Um, but with Patrick, you know, at the time, I probably would have said, you know, I would have taken Denny Avdia, um, you know, maybe a, a couple other guys I would have taken as well. Um, you know, but I really like how he projects long term. I mean, when you look at you know 6'8", 225 pounds, two thirty, that type of length, and the fact that he's shooting, you know, thirty eight percent from three so far. I mean, that was one of the bigger questions. Thirty nine, yeah, we, yeah. It was it was yeah. is this guy going to be able to shoot it well enough? It's a little bit slow. Um, but I mean, I think he's like sixty two. Uh percent on on corner threes you know when you talk about um, just his ability to space the floor from there and then handle the ball he shoots a lot of mid-range jumpers but I kind of like how they're letting him develop, like own those mid-range spots, make corner threes, and then give us effort, you know, defensively. I'm not sure he's been the defender everyone hoped right away. Um, You know, he can improve in in a handful of areas, but when you look at those big wings, whether it's a Jalen Brown or a a Kawhi or anywhere down the spectrum, they're obviously hard to find. And, um, you know, one one last point on him, he's younger than Jalen Suggs. Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes. Um, So just to kind of speak to the fact that he's just kind of scratching the surface right now. And I think there's a lot to like about him long-term.
2: I mean, dude, that is wild. That last 10 seconds is the most wild part of this entire thing outside of, I don't think these guys have watched more than maybe four or five games of Patrick Williams. But that being said, right. I mean, were you surprised, too, they spent like almost a minute on his offense? And I was like, that was that's probably the least impressive thing of his entire game this season that I've been with is his ability to knock down threes.
1: Well, I I mean, I, I think they did it. They phrased it in that way to highlight. Yes, everybody loved this kid for his defense at Florida State. And when we were analyzing all these, you know, draft prospects and he certainly in the first couple of years in the league, I think we'll be known for what he can do on the defensive end, but Hey, look what he's also capable of on the offensive end. And if that offensive confidence um, and and his work that he puts into the offensive end continues to grow, that's that's when you could really see this kid take off and Oh, by the way, he's only 19. Um, You know, he, he like they mentioned his his three-point percentage how effective he's been especially knocking down those corner threes um, which he's been taking confidently this season and we've also seen him score putting the ball on the floor and we know that that high arcing mid-range shot that he has he's very confident in that and it's pretty darn lethal so all of the tools are there for this kid's offensive game to blossom and we already know that he projects to be a very capable, you know, all NBA, all, all, you know, all, all defensive team kind of potential on that end of the court as well. So I, I was thrilled to hear that. They said, yeah, you know, not didn't have him this high on my board back on draft night. Would have taken Avia over him. Would have probably taken one or two more guys over him. But right here, given that LaMelo Edwards and Halliburton went one, two, three, I'd still take Pete up at four. Um, I think that that's good uh you know, good fodder for Bulls fans who have maybe started to panic a little bit with some of these, you know, dud games from P Dub, if you want to call them that, especially on the offensive end nights where he's not scoring in double figures, he hasn't looked as aggressive, and Bulls fans are worrying, like, oh, did we get too excited about Patrick Williams? And I'm sitting here saying, guys, no. You know, AK and Eversley still need to do some roster tinkering, but there is still so much room that we're going to see P-Dub get better on the offensive end. And I I do think that that's coming.
2: How about an extremely weird circumstance for a college player like him, man? Like going like almost a year without playing basketball, like in a game – and then having to turn around and play as many games as he's had to in the NBA this NBA season. It's tough on like somebody who's a five or a six year vet, but for a guy like him who comes off of not playing hardly since what? Since the early start of March of last year and then coming into this one, I just think he's hit a wall. Like that's what I think those dud games are, man. His teams have adjusted to him. They have a bunch of film on him and He's got to now go and make adjustments, too. But I think it's it's more so hitting the wall. Same thing with Thaddeus Young. I think part of the reason why he slowed down is the Bulls relied on him heavily at the beginning. Uh, I was actually shocked to hear them like say that his defense wasn't as impressive as maybe people thought it was going to be. I'm like sitting here thinking, I'm like, he's gone up against every single elite dude. Right.
1: He's so, a 19-year-old rookie that's been asked to guard
2: Kawhi. LeBron. My favorite Jimmy quote. Butler, was, my favorite like, quote was when he got he got an elbow in the chest for the first time from Giannis, and he go and he said, "Yeah, he's like that first time that happened. Felt like my chest was absolutely on fire. Like those types of moments are what was awesome to see. Like the the offensive P Dub that was icing on the cake this year, Matt. I wasn't expecting mm-hmm. any of that. Um, right. So outside of the last three or four weeks, I was I've been more than thrilled with his rookie year.
1: Yeah. And like, yeah, he's gotten cooked on some nights. Remember when Donovan played him at the two and asked him to guard Devin Booker for crying out loud. I mean, what do you expect? Let's also recognize that there hasn't been a lot of help for, for Patrick Williams on the defensive end this season, right? Like, okay. You added Tice and Troy Brown jr. At the deadline, a couple of, you know, better defensive pieces, but it's still nothing great, and, and and Troy Brown Jr. has now been out for an extended period of time with an injury. Before that, though, you know, Pete Ubb was out there on an island trying to play defense, so if you give him some other complimentary pieces that are at least capable on the defensive end, that that's what you will see. Oh, he really is a one through five defender who has all of these – because it's the little things that if you just watch Patrick Williams' rookie season every night, you can see – that the the foundation is there because even as a 19 year old rookie he knows when to make the right switches he knows when to come over on help defense does he have the occasional lapse sure does he get crossed up occasionally by some of the best offensive ball handlers of the game sure does he get out muscled occasionally by a player whose nickname is the freak sure but all of the fundamentals of his defensive game and his defensive IQ are there. And he's 19. 26-year-old Patrick Williams, who I hope
2: and pray is on this team, is going to be a shut-down defender. I have no doubt about that either, man. Uh, the thing you said maybe for some Bulls fans, if they're getting nervous about what this rebuild is turning into or maybe what PW looked like at the end of the season – I don't, I don't feel any of those nerves with, the, with this type of prospect, too. And then I also think about the people that might have a little bit of anxiety about maybe not having a draft pick coming up in this year's draft outside of the top four. The Bulls get there. It's a completely different conversation. But I think Mike Schmitz brought that up at the end of this conversation, knowing that the Bulls didn't have the opportunity to draft, so more than likely have the opportunity to draft somebody coming up in the lottery again. Patrick Williams is going to be like having a lottery pick all over again with a year of development underneath his belt, so I'm excited for that, and you should. we should use that mentality going into the offseason. Um, for us, it's not adding young talent anymore. It's about adding players that can help you win and help the de- develop the young players you already have here. Um, the the last thing I will say, did you catch them saying that the clear top four in this draft, or the clear top three in this draft was LaMelo, Edwards, and and Halliburton, and then the tier sort of drops off. Does that make you nervous about where Patrick Williams' future ends up, or how these guys see his ceiling being? Maybe three, four years down the road. No.
1: Um, and Mike Schmitz even said he he really likes how Williams projects long term. This season, it's clear that Lamelo Edwards and um, and Halliburton have been the most productive, the most helpful for their teams. Um, you know, even despite Edwards, maybe not having the most efficient scoring rookie season on a pretty bad team still, like obviously everybody sees his talent, you know, and they said, wouldn't be surprised to see this kid lead the league and scoring, you know, down the road. Um, Halliburton has gotten a bigger opportunity to have a higher usage percentage on his bad team compared to Patrick Williams. And, you know, that's because of a variety of reasons, but also most notably that De'Aaron Fox has missed a lot of time. And when you look at Hal Burton's numbers in the games when Fox has been out, it's, you know, I think they rattled it off in in that podcast. It's like, you know, 17 and eight or something like that, which is pretty darn impressive for a rookie guard. But I I was high on Hal Burton. We were looking at this uh, 2020 class, you know, A year ago that kid looked like he could come in and contribute on an NBA team right away and we clearly are seeing that that's the case do I think that he has a higher long-term ceiling did Patrick Williams no not necessarily I'm fully
2: convinced now that if remember the story about Detroit wanting to trade up ahead of the Bulls like the entire draft day to try to get Patrick Williams over them I'm fully convinced if that would have happened and LaMelo would have went one or two instead of going three to the Hornets if they would have traded up and got Patrick Williams, I think Halliburton would would have been the pick at four. That's I am fully convinced after hearing what they said and thinking about those stories as well. So it is nice to know that if that was the plan or the case. And same thing with Killian Hayes. In the short time, I don't know if you've had a chance to check out the Pistons at all over the last couple of weeks, but he's actually right. played pretty decent, man. Um, so that's another yeah, one. Yeah, I too.
1: mean, what he's I think he's only played like not quite twenty games after missing the. <laughs> Like the big brunt of the front half of the season with an injury, um, which is a, a a bummer. And you know, I, I was super high on Killian Hayes too, um, just knowing how badly this team needed a point guard, and we still do. Um, you know, it, it's been modest, and that Detroit team is kind of a dumpster fire. But he is averaging eight assists, uh, eight assists per thirty six. You know, he's he's not getting the minutes quite yet. I think he's only averaging you know twenty four or so minutes per game. I'm excited to see what Hayes does in his second season.
2: Yeah, and he's got a bunch of dudes that can help shoot. So like that number, and same thing with Halliburton's number in terms of assists. Those are getting stacked up pretty quickly because they've got dudes who can shoot around him. Uh, he's got Sadiq Bay, and Halliburton has Buddy Heald, who's averaging I think like four or five three makes for the entire season this year, which is absolutely absurd too. So, like you said though, I don't, I don't, I don't compare it to Patrick Williams because they're completely different players. I just think it's interesting the thought process and the players that we sort of narrowed down to who the Bulls were interested in those guys are having really good rookie seasons, so that makes me confident in the evaluation process at least from afar of this front office and the new scouts and everybody a part of this organization in this new change in year one and it seems like a lot of national people agree with that as well
1: yeah Um, and then the other wild card in all of this last year's draft class this upcoming draft class Maybe, maybe let's say the Bulls don't get lucky and jump into the top four. There's also another dude who's balling over in Europe right now. Sim, uh, you know, Marco Simonovic, who the Bulls drafted, is dashed. Looks like he's played some some pretty solid basketball. Um, how he mixes into this, you know, equation, if the Bulls are planning to bring him over next season, uh, spend one of their roster spots on him, we'll see. But, uh, you know, there's... Uh, there's a, a lot of different ways that AK and Eversley can go, but I think that maybe Bulls fans who have been, you know, watching LaMelo and also Halliburton and feeling all this FOMO are saying, "Ah, oh man, you know, Patrick Williams, Dud, you know, hasn't had a double digit scoring night in a long time. It, like, did we make a mistake passing on Halliburton? And it's because this team desperately needs a point guard. So, you know, w- would we have been better? Would the Bulls have more wins this season if they had drafted Halberton over Williams because that was a more glaring need for the roster a month ago, or a year ago? Maybe, but I not ask me did. who I'm. I, I would rather have as a Bulls franchise staple for the next ten years. Give give me Williams, man, and and I might end up being wrong on that. We'll see, but I still think that his ceiling is higher than Halberton's.
2: I'm with you too, and the and like honestly, at this point. We've tried it, man. Ooh. For whatever reason, this Bulls team cannot develop a point guard. It's like we have this weird, like, halo curse over us since Rose, man, it, where it's just like, draft draft a point guard. Oh, he has terrible luck here. Oh, he has injury problems. Oh, he has confidence issues. It, it's At this point, it's like, okay, now let's, instead of trying to figure out why we can't do that, let's just go use the money to sign a guy that can fill that hole, and let's focus on the players that we are good at developing, which is defensive-minded players first. And it didn't work out necessarily with Wendell Carter Jr., but uh, it seems like it worked out at least in his rookie season with Patrick Williams. So I'm cool with that. Like At this point, man, I'm committed to just... I don't even think Halliburton would have turned out to be the player he is in his rookie season if he had come here to Chicago. And that's a crappy thing to say, but I feel like that's true.
1: No, you're probably right. And, and, you know, it, it's not like he would be getting as many opportunities if he shared a backcourt with Zach Levine. But, again, True. that's that's why we just need to find the right point guard to complement Zach, and the right point guard is someone who can run an offense and let Zach operate more off the ball and not ask Zach to do that much. It's like, you know, a, I, I hate to say it, but uh, in his prime – or even this season's version of CP3 is like exactly what the Bulls need. And I and I say that knowing that all of you know how much I despise CP3.
2: <laughs> the last thing I will say just from that redraft is it was almost like a spit take, like spit image take on Okoro too. Did you notice that? That like uh, the Okoro comp to Williams was a b- pretty damn similar. And I think mm-hmm. about their situations and watching a handful of Cavs games this year. A lot of potential for right. him, man. Too, I like him. I like his game a lot. The one that I was shocked by was Wiseman. How far he slipped. I haven't even got to the point where they start talking about Wiseman. So, um,
1: right. And you know, I think you and I were both like kind of meh on Wiseman, just because this team had a million front court pieces already, and we were like, he, you know, he was, I was such all a in wild if they card. were going to
2: trade Lowry or Wendell. But I'm glad that they waited and they were patient because we got Vooch instead. So. I'm cool
1: right with it. And, and the sample size with Wiseman was basically non-existent so right. it was you know a big risk even even compared to a you know 19 year old rookie who didn't start at Florida State it's like yeah but at least you saw the work you saw a season's worth of work from Patrick Williams Wiseman was a gigantic question mark
2: this has been really good. I'm excited to hear from people too, man. Like, how do people feel Patrick Williams has done this season compared to the rest of the league? Like, if you're somebody who's a hardcore NBA fan outside of being a Bulls fan, hit us up at 331 979 1369. Let us know. How do you feel like Patrick Williams did in his rookie season as we kind of wind it down? Um, if you were redrafting, where would you put Patrick Williams at in terms would he be back in your top five? Would he be back in the top three? you want to answer any of those questions you want to talk a little bit about Zach Levine or you want to react about what Zach Levine had to say uh, for the first time in the, le- in the last couple of weeks on uh, where things stand for the rest of this season. Hit us up, 331-979-1369. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley, Bulls Nation. Have a wonderful day. Be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out.
0: Deuces. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com.
1: Thanks a lot.